Now, for something completely different, here is your host, Brian Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, people of all sexes, especially all of you squeezing the last few drops of sanity from 2023, it's time for something completely different. Unless, of course, you've been here before. In that case, you'll be excited to learn. We're featuring a return visit from my friend of multiple decades, the former curator, splinter surgeon, and procurer of gluten-free linseed oil for the Smithsonian Institute's Department of Treewood Artifacts, proud <laughs> observer of the infamous Barn on White Run, and author of the international bestseller Saving Stuff, and star of countless YouTube videos on creating sawdust. Husband of one, father of two, who along with the lovely and talented Mrs. Barn have recently become in-laws to an unsuspecting starry-eyed groom. <laughs> Ranked most popular of all our 2023 podcasts, it's the honorific Dr. Don Williams. Hey, Brian, how you doing? I'm reasonable. I hope you got the pony this year for Christmas. Well, I, I did get the pile of uh, awful, so uh, there oh, must be a pony under there somewhere. It gotta be, gotta be, that's <laughs> the rumor. Uh, how's winter up yonder in them there hills? Very mild, very mild really? so far. And uh, we need a lot of snow this year. We've had two very, very dry years back to back. You opening up a ski lift or something? I don't know. You know, it's it's the last two years we've had essentially no rain from April through November. Ah. So that puts a kink in some of the activities. So. Yes, not to mention the contents of uh, Yon Pond. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, let's get to it. I mean, yeah, here we are at the end of a tumultuous 2023, dreading the suspicious, melodious months of 2024. If um, if you had to sum up 2023 in a few well-chosen epithets, what would they be? Well, you know, I can't decide whether to start preaching or start cussing. It's one of the two. <laughs> but uh, for the nation as a whole, for society, um, I think that the uh, 2023 is an unmitigated dumpster fire. There's just, there's no other way to put it. Uh, we have seen the complete weaponization of uh, most of our civic institutions basically weaponized against us. And, you know, to kind of engage in a 30,000-foot uh, meta view, we've got a nation that has been held together by a number of shared mythologies. And I don't mean that in any disparaging term. It's just uh, these are the things that have held us together. And those things are no longer holding us together. We no longer, as a, as a populace nor a polity, accept the notion that the legal system is just or fair or the least bit honorable. We, as a polity and a populace, no longer accept the notion that elections are even a little bit fair and uh, not necessarily for you or for me or for those that we know, the popula populace and the polity are really beginning to get the idea that um, the institutions of power are our enemies. And that augurs very poorly for 2024. Yeah, I would agree with all of that, not to mention the fact that uh, we are, it's been so divisive. Uh, we don't even like each other very much anymore, depending upon what color you are, meaning blue versus red. As blue or red, red, yeah. And I would, uh, I would assume you were including the myth of fiat money and that uh, light glue that's still binding us. Uh, that is a mythology, but it is not as um, 
fundamental, I would say. It, it is a mythology that can be kept afloat for a long time, uh, provided the executors of power do not overspend themselves and overspend us. But I would say that the majority of the populace at large still accepts the myth of fiat money. Mm. They, they simply can't comprehend anything outside of um, government-backed uh, script of some sort. I'm actually not disfavoring of the idea that governments should stand behind the currency that they're distributing. But um, I would say the public at large is not in the camp with you and me on that one just yet. Well, I'd be inclined to agree as in as much as I think the average person still thinks the Federal Reserve is part of the federal government. And as long as you've got ink and paper, I guess, yeah, you can can print to infinity as far as... Yeah, I, I remember, I think it was William Proxmire, uh, for those of us of our age will remember him, uh, he would he would say that he was guaranteeing that the government checks would still be arriving and still be cashable, but what they were being cashed for might be as worthless as, as just trash, but they would still be cashable. Well, wouldn't you think, third, not to go too far into the weeds on this, but don't you think a national debt uh, knocking around $33 trillion is not only not serviceable, it's almost inconceivable? It is. It, both are true, and both are not relevant to the overwhelming majority of the populace and the polity. They don't understand it. They, didn't, they wouldn't care about it if they did. No, that may be true. I was trying to narrow this down a little bit with a conversation with uh, Jim Bovard the other day, and it seems as if everything circles back to a point of origin uh, within the cul-de-sac of, uh, of Biden and company, whether it's immigration, national debt, inflation, uh, loss of world standing, the destruction of the middle class, uh, the and as I mentioned earlier, the national division between red and blue and all the other hues. There, It seems that is the, the singular point of origin, I guess, in as much as the fact that government is overreached into so many different parts of our lives, and you, you can't really find something that doesn't trace, it way, t- trace its way back to Washington. Well, I, that's true, except Biden is the um, grifter out in front of the curtain. He's, not, he's mm. not pulling any of the levers. The guy behind the curtain is Obama or whomever is controlling Obama. Right. Um, and... You know, it's uh, worth noting that he was a man who declared fundamental hatred for the American way of life. I mean, that's when he says he wants to invoke a fundamental transformation, that's what he's saying. And he has continued to act on it. And I fear that in the end, when, when the history of this republic is looked at two centuries from now, he will be seen as the most um, consequential public figure in American history. And that's not a compliment. It is not a compliment. Indeed. Well, I, I, I couldn't uh, couldn't argue with that. I think you know, a lot of people, at least a lot of people paying attention, have seen the fingerprints, Bo Biden's fingerprints on damn near everything, and uh, the inclusion of uh, Susan. Rice. Well, you know the whole the whole uh, fam family that. Uh, managed to do their deed for eight years. Well, the, fact, the reports that we've probably both seen that Obama's Calorama mansion has a state-of-the-art, quite literally state-of-the-art, hardwired 
entree into the national security apparatus and the White House. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not even pretending uh, that uh, they're relying on uh, carrier pigeons or anything else. I mean, he, he is literally hardwired into the system and is calling the shots. Now, whether he is a, a message deliverer, I don't think he's nearly bright enough to be the message creator, but he is the vehicle by which much of this is is happening. And what is fascinating to me is even people who at some level recognize uh, Biden is, um, and I'm not saying this in an unkind manner, he's he's mentally incompetent. And that is a truly sad, sad thing to see. But even his supporters accept it. And virtually all the people who vote for him voted for him and will vote for him or his successor. Um, they don't want to uh, look at it and see see it. To me, that's that's a really sad part about this year and certainly projecting into next year is that the American people just don't want to know. They they think their normalcy bias is that this thing is on autopilot. Nothing can undo it. And uh, so, you know, why should I be involved? Because there's a game on Thursday night and I got a six pack chilled in the cooler right now. And, and, you know, one of the, one of the, problems that I have, and we've known each other, what, 35 years or so, and I have have observed and and made observations and made comments on that. I am way out of the prognostication business because the world is simply too chaotic. At this point, I was talking to uh, somebody recently. I said, I don't make predictions, but I will say some things would surprise me greatly and other things would not surprise me greatly. And that's about as strong as I and willing to take a stand on some of that stuff. Well, it seems to be, uh, it's not ubiquitous, but it's at least reaching a point of awareness, I think, that uh, even at a, at a basic level of feeling uneasy, there's been more and more people in areas, you know, mainstream media, TV shows, talking ed shows, and so on, plot places that you'd be inclined to hear or expect to hear um, insight uh, and honesty and frankness. But, uh, a lot of those people are saying things like, you know, something evil this way comes. There's just something that you can just feel it. It's palpable, whether it's anger or frustration, fear, all of the above, that it's, it's something's going to pop. So there's going to be a spark. There's going to be something. There's just too many people hating each other, raising hell, ignoring the law, getting away with it, doing severe damage, not the least of which is what, eight, nine million people uh, that have made themselves new residents here, illegal as that may exactly. be. Exactly. Um, and the getaway is, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, roaming the country and 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 not just the the failure of the administration to be straight with the country uh, instead of sending out some guy like Mallorca saying, no, the border's definitely closed. Um, the report the other day that of the 250,000 that uh, recently made it across the uh, the border, folks counted something like 8,000 Chinese. Yeah. Yeah, and I thought, well, you know, I didn't think you could just get up and walk out of China because you were looking for a better life in America. Well, you know, the thing is that so many um, uh, Americans have been propagandized to think that these are people seeking safe haven. Well, you know, there's a there's a there's very strict um, 
historical and legal definitions of those things. And when you're a person fleeing one dangerous place, you are seeking safe haven only to the degree that you go to the next place that's safer. And the Chinese uh, who are coming here by some route, that's not a safe haven thing. They, the boatloads of third worlders, uh, there's a lot of places better than where they fled that aren't here. And, um, and frankly, I, I put so much of this at institutions that you would think would be on our side, namely, A, the Chamber of Commerce. They want cheap, undocumentable, zero liability labor. You've got, you've got uh, church quangos that are thinking, you know, we are engaged in uh, humanity and generosity and salvation and, and loving. Um, but those people are just cash cows. So I've been thinking an awful lot about what it's going to take to fix this problem. And I don't think there is a corporeal solution. I truly believe that it's only going to be a a revival of civic virtue. Uh, and I think that a revival of civic virtue can only come through a revival of um, spiritual affirmation. So I, frankly, some, anything short of something um, uh, similar to a, a biblical revival in the in the land, we're done for because our numbers are just so small. The number of people who who reflect a point of view that you and I would even marginally share, that we would either share or would be uh, adjacent to what we share, is maybe 1%, maybe 2% of the population. And when you're stuck with that number, how do you effectively bring about any sort of change that would be required? It would be would have require something a lot bigger than the one percent or two percent. Yeah, that's why why uh, you know as as uh, one of the commenters said, it's revival or bust. I mean, I, I've I've really come to realize that that without, um, as I said, a revival of civic virtue, a revival of spiritual um, righteousness, if you will, uh, we're pretty much done for as a country. I I, I just don't see how it could work. Now, it could be that I'm as dumb as a tomato steak, and I don't, I don't see the answer. So, <laughs> Well, following that same line, uh, there's a time lag, obviously, between where we are and where we have to be. Sure. And what I'm looking at, in part, uh, well, what happens uh, during this period, you know, between point A, uh, where we are, and point Z, where we want to be. And right. There's an awful lot of time and an awful lot of people out there that have uh, no desire. Uh, to uh, accomplish anything along the lines of what you and I are talking about right now. There was looking at this morbid uh, group of allegedly sentient beings calling themselves the WEF, the World Economic Forum over sure, in Geneva. Sure. And I, I looked at their mission statement, and it um, it reads in part, it is independent, of, speaking of themselves, independent, impartial, and not tied to any special interest. The forum strives in all its efforts to demonstrate entrepreneurship in the global public interest while upholding the highest standards of governance. Moral and intellectual integrity is to the heart of everything it does, or to succinctly quote its founder, Klaus Schwab, you will eat bugs, you will own nothing, and be happy. Sure. Um, obviously, that last part was not part of the quote, but uh, <laughs> the hypocrisy contained in their missions, between their mission statement and 
and their actions. The, 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 the only nuttier than all of that is the fact that these psychopaths are actually making progress. I mean, there are a lot of countries and states, prime ministers, governors, who think uh, Herr Schwab is a groovy guy and has got really cool ideas to save the world, despite their plan to eliminate several billion people who are producing too much production into the atmosphere of our poor, unburdened planet. Yeah, uh, yeah. Fewer consumers, fewer producers, fewer producer consumers, better for WF membership slurping up lobster aboard their Gulf Stream. I, it, does it surprise you or concern you that uh, people uh, in high places are taking these narcissists so seriously? Uh, it does not surprise me. It definitely concerns me. And when you see somebody like Yoram Hazoni talking about this new cast of useless people, uh, and those are his terms, and he uses them a lot, he uses that term a lot. And, mm -hmm. you know, when you look at it, that, A, he is correct. There is a whole host of useless people, at least when it comes to the flourishing of humanity. I'm not talking about a spiritual cosmological utility here. I'm simply talking about people who contribute to the to the um, benefit of humanity. And they've been created on purpose by the the whole um, mindset of the totalitarians that have taken over the education and all the basically all the institutions of public culture. So they have created this cast of useless people. And so for them, they're thinking, yeah, we're happy to make this cast of useless people. We are happy to um, go down this path because we're the ones in charge of it. If you look at our own uh, uh, bipolar political system here in, in the country, in our country, you've got one um, cohort that is that is absolutely committed to their vision. Their vision is is misanthropic, I believe, but they are truly committed to it. The Democrats are absolutely willing to do whatever it takes to win. And the Republicans, most of whom agree with them on the issues, are are just willing to stand around with uh, thumbs stuck up in orifices of their of their body. Pardon my language, but that mm -hmm. they are they are utterly useless. Uh, and the reason the reason being is the Democrats know that they have created an integrated system that they are in charge of. So, of course, they would want that system to be as big and all encompassing as possible. Mm -hmm. They don't quite get past the point that, you know, sooner or later, the system's going to eat them up as well as uh, everybody else. But the um, current social observer, Oren McIntyre, made a remark, I don't know if it's new to him or if he's restating something else. He said that the group that wants to win always defeats the group that wants to be left alone. Yes. And that's undeniable. I, I don't. And of course, the other one where you're talking about the useless people, they've also the creation of them has been from from my perspective that you can't have enough pawns if you're the king. Well, that's that's true. I mean, we we visited Mount Vernon yesterday and I'm not going to um, disparage our nation's founding president and, or anybody else, but the ratio of the WEF types at, at its peak was six people at Mount Vernon compared to over 300 people 
who did nothing but support them. And so when you look at some sort of a, a serfdom, as if we're not on the road to it, uh, it requires basically 50 to 100 serfs to support each of the elites. So if the elites think of themselves as, you know, a few million, then you would have to have hundreds of millions of serfs to support them. But not billions. Uh, you never know. It, it just depends on how, when, when that scrum comes into place, how big is the, um, how big is the cadre of the elites? Well, uh, I'm just referring to the numbers that the, uh, that the Schwabs of the world are using, that how many have to be trimmed from the planet in order to save it, of course, but yeah. still leave enough behind to see to it that they get waited on and served accordingly. That's well, the, that, uh, that's just hyperbole they pull out of their backsides. But, you know, the, the essence of what they're trying to accomplish is definitely true, that there are, there are the, the smart people and then there are everybody else. Yeah. Well, if they overpromise and underdeliver, it still doesn't look good, good for the home team. That's well, sure. yeah, to be sure, the home team's going to take a beating no matter <laughs> what. Uh, it's, uh, you know, you were talking, you're talking about this buildup of ennui, if you will, and think of it as a volcano. And mm -hmm. it, the, what keeps a volcano from erupting are, are vent stacks, basically where gases can eject at high, high velocities and high, high volumes. When the vent stacks close, that's when the pressure builds up and that thing pops and it's a mess. And as long as enough of our compatriots can vent their dissatisfaction in libations, in excesses, in in all kinds of self-aggrandizing whatever, good food, uh, entertainment, bread and circuses, if you will, um, they can keep it under control. Mm -hmm. But as soon as the bread and circuses stop, that's when things pop. And I, I you know, what when you were reading the the uh, WEF um, mission statement, I was reminded of in scripture, uh, Romans chapter one, verse, you know, verses maybe from 25 to 29 or 28, whatever it is, describing the natural human condition of mankind. And I would urge everybody to go back and reread that short passage, you know, not complicated uh, rhetoric. It tells you exactly what happens when, when the chain is let go. And, um, you know, we're we're in a, a bad place. And, and the thing of it is, not to get overly theological, although I sometimes can't help myself, if you believe, as I do, that um, the creator of the universe loves us self-sacrificially. But at the same point, if we say, yeah, we don't want anything to do with you, he's going to say, OK, I love you enough. I'm just going to leave you alone. I'm going to leave you to your own devices and this is what happens. I think we're uh, rapidly approaching that point. You mentioned bread and circuses, and I'm thinking, well, they better improve the circuses because the breads get too expensive. And that's, uh, that's just a, a reality that is, I don't know how they can keep that going, but I don't want to even think about that. It's, uh, there's too many 
dingleberries hanging from that to try and come up with anything that's even plausible. And who cares? It's not up to that's true. Up to you that's or me, uh, you know, to, to be able to pull that out. But um, but it is uh, plenty of uh, as far as the bread part. There's plenty of uh, food for thought, you know, in all of that. And hopefully um, the uh, the people who partake of this podcast, as I mentioned, the two most popular on the uh, all the ones we've done. Uh, with your name on it, so I'm hoping that that will uh, revisit the revisit this. It is lots of food for thought. Unfortunately, it's going to be a, a, a diminishing food for consumption. <laughs> and and uh, people ask me, well, what are you doing about any of this or all of this? Okay, I and you, Brian, raised our children well to be good, good, productive citizens, thoughtful, thoughtful adults. At the same time, we are preparing to the ability that we have for a world of chaos. That is unfortunately correct. I was asked what uh, recently what my uh, New Year's resolution was, which I don't really make, but I said in the terms of this uh, framework you and I are discussing right now, I'm, I'm trying to make myself a person who is a resource for anybody who's interested in coming along with us for the ride, helping them plan for a world of chaos, helping them prepare for it, providing uh, material support if I can, spiritual guides to the extent that I am endowed with any of that. You know, that's 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 what I can do. Well, I can't think outside my head of uh, much better sources for that. And uh, the fact that you are uh, available and visible, and we'll get to that in just a second. I couldn't couldn't do but recommend as much of that as uh, possible as far as the well, thank you. availability of it is concerned. Unfortunately, the studio rental time is uh, just about over <laughs> here, but uh, be sure to stay tuned for the 2023 Battle of the Bands concert featuring Led Zeppelin, Liberace, and the reconstituted Lawrence Welk Champagne Orchestra. I know you will. If you're among the uh, basket of deplorables who have sadly missed my previous conversations with the uh, Don Williams. You can hear them all through the mail toxicity of my website, Brian Wilson writes at uh, substack.com. While you're there, start the new year off with a free subscription to uh, Brian Wilson writes at substack.com and you'll receive plenty of warning about all the free range rabble rousing that we've got going here, including um, maybe a few weeks from now, we'll reconvene with uh, Dr. Don here and have, uh, have some more conversation. And I must say, I haven't really told you this directly, but in your Substack, your writing has been El Fuego, brother. Well, thank you. I mean, there there is stuff that said, it's like when I would create an artwork and somebody else would create an artwork, and the highest compliment I could give them is, I wish I made what you made. And when I see some of the things that you write, I say, man, I wish I had said that. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, coming from um, uh, someone who's written as voluminously as you have and the things you've written I, and the people whom you read, to be able to use that as a measure of, of uh, judgment is, uh, is uh, very large. The um, thing I want to get to here is that uh, getting back to the uh, what we were mentioning earlier, if you're flitting around the Internet, be sure to pay a visit to donsbarn.com. Uh, that way you'll be able to you know, see the man and the legend applying his bodacious talents in living color and uh, and contact uh, accordingly, as he was mentioning earlier. Don, once again, thanks a lot for your time and insights. Always a pleasure rubbing brains with you. You bet, Brian, and uh, give my best to your, your clan and uh, a hug and a kiss on the cheek. I will do all of that, and you do the same to Mrs. Barn. I know you will. Take care. <laughs>